0: No heart and my everyone. Um, great to see all the new faces here tonight. For those of you who are new here tonight, this is probably going to be a little bit of a shock for you. Um, we are not, um, we're not going to be speaking the way we might usually um, or about the things we sometimes do. But um, one of the, I guess, the, the ways to start this off is by giving you a little bit of context. Um, Blueprint has been a church for about 13 years. And about five years ago, we became a part of this thing called the Anglican Diocese of Wellington, and we began this journey of what it looked like to be a pioneer mission unit within the Anglican Dio. Um, And a part of that process has been working out what it looks like for us to celebrate the Eucharist together, um, which means the Thanksgiving, some of you will call it Holy Communion, um, and uh, and how we do that together, Um, because... I think for us, coming from uh, the the way that this has happened initially, is a few years ago we used to have no communion, and then it moved to, all right, we'll have communion every two or three weeks. And then it moved to, you know what, we'll have it every week, we'll put a loaf of bread on a table either side, and if you know it's there, you can go and grab it when you want to. And then it kind of moved to, you know what, maybe we'll actually hand it to each other. And then we started doing a spiel about it. um, And then somewhere along the way... Um, I became a priest and here we are um, And so a lot has changed for us um, And so what I'm doing tonight um, is that the Eucharist is really changing for us um, from here on out um, And so I want to talk about that a little bit um, we, um, What you're going to hear tonight is not stuff that has just come or flown off the top of my head um, This is the result of our leadership and a bunch of people spending um, months and years thinking about this stuff Talking it out um, understanding it, we've written songs that speak to this moment in our service. So you'll you'll hear some of those later on. We've read book after book, article after article. We've had argument after argument. Is this called a table? Is it called an altar? Who knows? <laughs> but we've had a fight about it. Um, we um, we built our own table. This amazing table in front of us here was put together by a sheng. Um, can you give a round of applause to them? <laughs> Um, by all means, come up and have a look at it. It was a razor finisher eh, to get it here, and so there's a little bit of rockiness in it at the moment, so maybe just don't put too much pressure on it, but, but it's going to be as solid as our theology in two to three weeks. Um, oh, dear. Um, um, so, um, so for some, the question of uh, why Eucharist, why this table is here with candles on it and colours on it... Um, might be your first question. As you may have come from either a non-faith tradition, or you may have come from maybe a Pentecostal Protestant tradition, and when you had Eucharist last, um, it was maybe Coke from Little Thimbles with, um, I don't know, an Oreo or something like that. Um, And you're wondering why it is this way. And I thought so much about how I answered that question, and then Andy Hockey gave me the best answer to that, which was like crazy simple, and this was late last year. And he said, isn't it nice to do something that Jesus asks us to do And I was like Oh yeah Because there is so much of our church services Which are actually us kind of improving On what we think Jesus wants us to do You know it's like Oh I guess worship is some songs And uh, I, I guess we teach I don't know I don't know whether we're supposed to sit or stand But we just kind of improv it And we order ourselves And that's fine But there are these very few things Where Jesus actually says Do this thing And I'm going to be there in the midst of it You know so he says, like, when you pray, pray like this. And he gives us the Lord's Prayer, which we'll do later. You know? And he says, when you get together, do this thing I'm doing now. Break bread, pour out the wine, and I will be with you. When you pray, go alone into a room and shut the door. Like, there are actually a few things Jesus says, do this, and I'm going to be in the midst of it. So this thing of Eucharist is not something that some Anglicans came up with so we could wear robes and light candles. Um, but this is actually one of those things where... Jesus said, this is how we would remember and tell the story of what he has done for us. That's quite cool, eh? And so the first time this action was done, it was done by Christ. And then after that, it was done by Peter. And then it was handed to popes and bishops and priests all over the last 2,000 years. And they reckon this action has never not been done in those 2,000 years. But someone somewhere has always been doing this. And so there's this beautiful thing where actually it's like somewhere... In Aussie, in an hour's time, someone is going to be picking up the baton where we left it off. And that's going to be passed on to Southeast Asia. And Southeast Asia are going to pass that on to Sub-Saharan Africa. And they're going to pass it on to Dubai, who are going to pass it on to London. And this thing of coming together and doing what Jesus said to do is going on all around the world. It is so much bigger than us. But the thing about this is uh, Eucharist is what we call a sacrament. Can you go to the next one? And the definition of a sacrament is an outward and visible sign of an inward grace, which is a really fancy way of saying Eucharist is one of those things where we do exterior actions to represent what is going on inside our hearts, what is going on between us and God. The thing we can't see, we are making seen here. And um, much like dancing is an expression of joy, much like painting is an expression of creativity, the Eucharist is our expression of God's grace within us pouring out as a community. And I think one of the fears that many people have when you start talking about the Eucharist, particularly if you've come from a a a, a penty background or something, is like, isn't that empty ritual? Because we've all been along to a service um, somewhere, maybe it was a midnight mass or something, and gone, man, this is dry. Like, this is real dry. And we're not sure if actually the people who are doing it know why they're doing it anymore. But I think the problem is when it becomes empty ritual is when we do the outward signs but we forget the inward grace. We do the outward signs but we forget the inward grace. So we get obsessed with lifting the cup and drinking the juice and waving our hands. But we've forgotten that all of that is the embodiment of the inward grace we have with Christ. And so all of what I want to do tonight, really, is describe the inward grace... Because I think for us to do this, like, it is empty ritual. It's just a block of wood here. It's just some wax. It's just some juice. It's just some bread. Unless we get our heads around the inward grace. Um, and I remember uh, a few weeks ago, Anna and I went on this tramp. We went on the Waikato Moana track um, up north. And, uh, and it's really hard for me. I'm quite a busy, quite an um, achievement-focused person. It's really hard for me to wind down on something like that. So the first day, I'm like the guy who is like looking at all the signposts which say, you know, three and a half hours to go. And I'm like, those are tourists. we can do it in two and a half, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so all I'm sort of doing as I'm walking too, is I'm not really looking at the surroundings. I've just got my eyes on my feet and the roots, basically. And I'm like, just get there without a rolled ankle and at least an hour shy of when they said it could be done. <laughs> and so you're in this beautiful place, one of the most beautiful places in the world, and, and you're just head down, and there's these beautiful tree canopies above you and this incredible lake and these beaches, and instead I'm looking at mud and looking at my feet. And on the third day, we arrive in this uh, this little hut, um, and we meet a, a guy named Rako, who was um, tuhoi, and he was a warden on this track. And we got to know him, and he said, Oh, I'll be your guide tomorrow. And so we started out the next day walking with Rako, and, uh, and we'd go up this track, and, um, and then after 10 minutes, he'd stop. And he'd go, see that? See that there? That's kanaka. And he'd say, and that over there? That's manaka. And we'd say, oh, what's the difference? He says, well, I'll tell you the difference. And then we'd walk for another kind of 10 minutes, and he'd go, see that here? That's horopito. That's like Maori chilli. You can eat that. And so we'd sit there and munch down on horopito, and then we'd go a little further, and he's like, that's kawakawa, that's for toothaches. And we walk along and we take some of that, and we have this amazing day that probably took about, I don't know, two or three hours more than it was supposed to, because we had this guide who the whole time was pointing us to the beauty of what was around us, and it became the most significant thing. And this for me is what the Eucharistic liturgy is and what I hope to do for you today, is some people get obsessed with this ritual as being a look at your feet, keep an eye on the roots. Make sure you don't trip up, make sure you don't screw it up, or some old priest is going to hit you over the back of the head. And I'm looking at the roots, but when we find out why we do it, when we have a guide through it and we understand what the words are saying, then our eyes begin to lift and we realise that this opens us up to this world of beauty around us that we didn't know was there. And so that's kind of what I'm I'm hoping for today. So what I've done is um, I've created a little diagram for you guys, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through five angles on the Eucharist today. Um, and, um, and what is going to happen is probably some of you are going to be like, whoa, that is a lot of stuff. Um, and so what I'm kind of expecting is that for each of you, there'll probably be one of these angles where you go, bam, that is so cool. And you do not have to be pumped on all five of them, all right? Um, and, uh, and so I'm going I'm to talk through each of these, and we're going to stop for some conversation along the way. Does that sound all right? Cool. All right. Okay, so first things. We're going to start at that one on the bottom left. Eucharist is sensory. So most of our Protestant worship is auditory or audible, right? So what we do is we come into a room like this and we sing songs and we listen to people talk. That's basically what we do. So our worship is kind of in this setting, kind of like a conversation with Jesus. It's like I talk and then you talk God and then I talk and then you talk. And what the Eucharist does is it invites us into something else entirely. Yes, it invites us to hear Jesus. Yes, it invites us to speak to him. But it also invites us to touch him, to taste him, to smell him, and to see him. So where so much of our worship is this passive back and forth, instead in the Eucharist, we have the presence of Christ with us in a way that we can grab hold of. And I reckon, theologically, this is really, really interesting. Because in the Eucharist, we are not just saying we we are here to meet with Jesus. We are not here to have a coffee with Jesus. But we are here that the person of Jesus and I would come into union with one another. That Christ would be with me and I would be with him. John 6.53, Jesus said this thing that turned away a whole heap of followers. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood... You can't have my life within you. Colossians 3.3 For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. We come to this table that the life of Christ may enter into us and be hidden within us and us be hidden within him. In our Eucharist we hear the story of Jesus retold. Then we see his body placed on the altar. We tear his body with our hands. We lift it up. We smell it. We taste it. We take Christ within ourselves and we know that his life is hidden in us and our life is hidden in him. And I think on a practical level, this is probably a real blessing for some people because I know that we have all come to church some Sundays and gone, gosh, if I have to sing another song, I am going to scream. If we have to do 10,000 reasons for the 10,000th time, I am out of here. Or we've come along and we're like, oh my gosh, if Scotty speaks again, I swear, I am gone, I cannot take that guy. We've all had those moments, or we come to church some weeks, and because of what is going on in our lives, because of grief, because of sadness, trauma, or maybe just because of boredom, we just don't have any words for God. We're just unmotivated. And that's okay, you can't be motivated every Sunday, right? Unless you're across the road. Um, (laughs) Because, Because some weeks you don't want to listen. Some weeks you don't want to sing. Some weeks you have no words. And on those weeks with the Eucharist, your worship becomes as simple as eating, drinking, breathing, smelling, and tasting. That's all you have to turn up here and do, is come, eat. Come drink, come taste and see that the Lord is good. And if the rest of the service is a write off, you worshipped with us. And it was beautiful, and we were stoked to have you with us. This is the beautiful thing about the, the sensory nature of the Eucharist. So the Eucharist is sensory. What we're going to do here is just take a minute or two. I want you to turn to one person next to you, and I want you to tell them one thing about that idea of the Eucharist The sensory that resonates with you. Go. <laughs> Alright, just any quickfire thoughts back from that, any interesting ideas that came up? <coughs> Who finds that a powerful idea? Yeah, why Lauren?
1: Um, I, like <laughs> I like thinking about Jesus' humanity and that he ate and drank.
0: Of yeah. The idea of, of Christ's humanity I think sometimes in the church today We have forgotten that Christ had a body Like we think in terms of only spirit And it's quite cool that this thing that is in front of us Is like touchable, it's tangible, it's matter You know, that we have bodies, we are not just spirit But we have bodies and Christ had a body Anyone else?
1: We talked about how like yeah, it just
0: lets you a passive, so you passively, like, receive all this, all this stuff, but that you press it, like, active. Mm. Yeah. yeah, cool. So it breaks us beyond our passi- passivity. Yeah, like that. Anyone else? Why is the table nice? Why is the table nice? I'll tell you later. Um, Dale. I'm <laughs> um, a repetitive um, thing that you do,
1: so it doesn't matter yet whether um, you get anything
0: from the service.
1: It's just that you you're going back to church and it's this repetitive thing that makes you remember about grace and, and it kind of re- like refreshes you, like starts you back on your week of like, oh, even if I had a really bad like or non-existent journey was going last week,
0: actually I'd be staying here today and going on for this. Yeah, cool. Awesome. All right, number two of oh, five. Whoa. Um, all right. Um The Eucharist is Trinitarian. We're going to get to some some big words here, but um, they're not actually that complicated. So as Christians, we believe that at the center of the universe, at the beginning of all creation, that what holds together the entire universe is a relationship of the three in one God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who have this deep love and affection for one another, who submit to one another, who serve one another, we think at its raw essence, that's what the universe is, is this relationship. We believe that the act of creation was not an accident, but was the desire of this God to share this kind of relationship with all humanity. And our most familiar image um, as a community for this is the 15th century icon by the Russian Orthodox Rublev, which many of you will have, will have seen before, and um, you'll forgive me if you've heard this a hundred times. But the idea with this icon that, that our historians think is we see here the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit sitting around the table, and that you look upon this icon, but interestingly, Rublev left the side facing us empty with the idea that this community of God was inviting us to join them to dine, to sup at the table, which, which is an incredibly beautiful thing and is the foundation of what we think as Christians that God created the world in order that we would be able to join in around this table with him. So what you'll notice tonight as we, we do Eucharist later is that a couple of blueprinters will come up here and they will set the table at one point. And they'll set the table as we would for an honoured guest. And, And the setting of this table is a picture of three things. Firstly, it's an invitation for Father, Son and Holy Spirit to come here and be with us. But secondly, it is an invitation from Father, Son and Holy Spirit for us to approach the fourth side. And to be in relationship and to dine with the Trinity But then it is this third thing of the reminder that as we are invited to this table, so must we always widen our table to the last, the lost, the least, and the lonely. So we'll say at one point during the liturgy, here is Christ coming to us in bread and wine, the gifts of God for the people of God. At its heart, the table is an invitation to union and relationship with God. And and I'll talk a little more about the specific one later on. But why don't you turn to the person next to you, this idea of, uh, of the table, of the Trinity inviting us into union with God. What is something about that that resonates with you? Go. Can I have some quick feedback from people? Thoughts on that idea? Yes, Matt. Sorry. Oh, is that a fake finger? Alright. Yes, Sharon. It's
1: just so inclusive. So inclusive? Yeah,
0: it's <laughs> like, oh, cool, me. Like, I can be part of it, yeah.
1: Cool. It's like a genuine, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Yep, yeah. anyone else? Yes, Corral. I actually
0: find that, like, quite surreal sometimes, because it's like an action thing that I'm not actually sit at this table.
1: Mm. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's a beautiful way. That's like a humbling thing that God invites us to the table and, and brings us face to face with our own ideas about our own worthiness. Yeah. And um yeah. Anyone else one more? Uh, yes, James. I kind of like the thought that before the entire world was created, that, that kind of communion was already
1: happening.
0: You know, yeah. that we're kind of, I guess everything was birthed to bring us into that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. All right, third one. We're going to race along here. Um, so, Eucharist is sensory, Eucharist is Trinitarian. Um, the third one, the Eucharist is incarnational. Another big word. Essentially, what this means is that at the centre of our faith is the belief that God is not distant from us. God became human. The Word became flesh. John 1.14 says that the Word about God became flesh and moved into the neighbourhood. Our God is not a far-off one who lobs grace grenades down from heaven. He puts skin on. The all-powerful God makes himself all vulnerable. He came as a defenceless child in a genocide... He cried with those who mourned. He made wine for those who partied. And he did what no God ever should do and suffered death on a cross. And so Jesus from his place with the Father is taken from heaven to earth. He is blessed by John the Baptist for a ministry of reconciliation. He is broken on the cross and he is given for our reconciliation. He is taken. He is blessed. He is broken. He is given. And this is what we do at the Eucharist, is we take this bread, this physical picture of Christ, and we take it and we bring it to the table. It enters the room as as Christ entered humanity. And we bless it and we break it and then we hand it to one another. And we remember in that what it is that Christ has done for us. In Eucharist, we reenact that Christ came and dwelt among us using bread and wine, We restage his taking, his blessing, his breaking, and his giving. But then more than that, in this thing of Eucharist, we recommit ourselves. We say, God, take me. Take my life. We say, Lord, bless my life. Lord, break my life and give me to those who do not know you. Give me away. And so the same thing which Christ has done for us, we celebrate here, we take it in, and we ask too that he would take us That he would bless us, he would break us And he would give us for a world Who desperately needs us So the Eucharist is incarnational It is Jesus with skin on Turn to the person next to you Talk about an idea in that that resonates with you Go right. any quick thoughts from that one? Who resonates with that as an idea? Nathan? Yeah, it's kind of like, I guess the whole like ordinary thing, sort of, like spreading like, uh, like just ordinary everyday things. Yeah. And yet go like, the God who's like powerful, proud of the universe with two to kind of God an ordinary person. It's like, sort a of, like, beautiful like, image of that. Hmm. So again, we're kind of coming face-to-face with the humanity of Christ Absolutely. in this. Yeah. Cool. Anyone else? Oh, yes, Matt. Yes, yeah, for me, like that, that witness idea is really huge, that God, it, like, it speaks to God's witness with us, and it's in the, the plain and the ordinary, that, that God doesn't come in only in like special stuff, but it's just like bread, which is like something you see every day, but like yeah, you know, most of us in the Western world anyway, and, um, it's like just a just a normal everyday mm. thing that God is not distant anywhere, yep. in the ordinary, not the extraordinary. but God's witness is with us always. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That that God is is with us as these simple things of bread and wine. or I don't know what the the modern equivalent might be. but Yes, i He's he's with us every
1: day.
0: With us every day. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Not just Sunday, just every day.
0: Every day, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. One more, anyone? Yes, Alana.
1: Um, I like how they kind of tie together with that, and the last one for me, and just the power of invitation, which is like so beautiful, like the, the power of also being invited to live a life as Jesus lived, and mm. that's exciting and scary <laughs> in the <this> best kind of <laughs> way. Um, yeah. Mm.
0: It's a really good moment. Um, some of you who are new here won't know that Blueprint is involved in um, this thing called the Free Store, which gathers about, I don't know, what is it, two, 250,000 items of food a year or something? OK, that's probably... Uh, but gathers them from around the city and gives them back out, and I think it's probably another sermon, but one of the things is, like we, don't like, we don't get this so that we can just meet at this table again and again, but that actually there is, like, a way of Eucharistic community and a way of Eucharistic life that is always inviting people to the table and extending that invitation cool, okay home stretch, two more to go the Eucharist is ecclesial so ecclesial just means the Eucharist is like the church the church is called the body of Christ Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 Teresa of Avila the Spanish mystic said this, I really like it Christ has no body now but yours no hands, no feet on earth but yours Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body on earth now except yours. It's quite cool, eh? And one of the things that Jesus says, and it happens twice in our Eucharistic liturgy, you will see it later is he says, do this to remember me. Take this bread, break it. Do this to remember me. Take this cup, pour it, drink it. Do this to remember me. And on the cross, Christ's body was torn apart. His sides pierced, his joints dislocated. On the cross, Christ was dismembered, was pulled apart. He was dismembered, and when he institutes the Eucharist as a practice for the early church, he says, do this to remember me. Take my pulled apart body and put it back together again. Put my body back together among you. I have no body but yours, no hands, no feet but yours. And so in Eucharist we tear apart the body of Christ into portions for all of us. We pour out his blood in measures for all of us. And in our ingesting of the same flesh and blood we become his remembered, his put back together Body. So it says in the liturgy, and you'll see it later on, we who are many are one, for we all share the one bread. And if you look at this table, if you come and have a look later, what Shang has done really beautifully with it is it's made up of how many hundred pieces of wood? Um, 27 times 12. 27 times 12. Any quick maths, folks? Lots. Lots. Um, <laughs> so if you come and have a look at it later, and be gentle because it means a little work. Um, but... Um, but what Sheng has actually done is it's fused together hundreds of pieces of wood here that are the many becoming one, um, which is such a beautiful gift um, that, um, that he's brought to us. So we are the remembered body of Christ. Turn to the person next to you. Um, talk about something that, uh, that's evocative for you in that. Alright, any quick thoughts on that?
1: Feel like this crew's been quiet. I was just going to think that we have the body of Christ and the arms and the legs and the thoughts and
0: thoughts. Cool. Yeah, we're walking Cool. Anyone else? Yes. Um, sometimes it seems too easy, but I love tangible actions. And like, as you said, like... We're each taking a piece of the body or a piece of bread, and it's physically bringing us
1: together, not just emotionally
0: or in this situation. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like we keep coming back to this tangibility, eh? yeah? Was there someone else? I have been in a bit of a chat about coming from a Catholic church where there's that real power as coming together as a congregation every Sunday to do the same thing together and knowing that you're doing that with the rest of the church, right? Totally. there's an article we read um, leading up to this, Jesse read it better than the rest of us but it was about Eucharist as an act of rebellion in an individualistic <coughs> society that, um, that, and this is man, you can find every possible perspective on the Eucharist if you want to find it like, um, there is, um, but yeah this idea that this is an act of rebellion where we say the consumerist machine will not divide us we will though many become one, every week, we'll remember it's not about me, it's about us it's bigger than me um, and I even love what it asks us to do, you know, in an age where we're all so passionate about our particular style or niche or taste in worship music or whatever, that we all get together and we're like, nah, we do the same thing. And doing the same thing is more important than my particular vibe, um, which is, you know, is a great challenge to us, I think, hey? Um Yeah, anyone else? One more? Cool. Oh. Jeez?
1: Yeah, I know. i fasting it. You can make extreme strictness from the past, so I But I still feel spiritually, as though I've taken it Wow. In and and It's not like i think about food, but, you know, it's,
0: just, it's still a Oh, that's awesome. Have you guys moved, Scott? I'll tell you later, mate. Um, We've moved from emergent church to uh, Um, pseudo-Catholic. Final one, this is probably one of the most challenging ones for our generation, um, is the Eucharist is priestly. I'm the only priest in the room. Awkward. Awkward. Jesus is often called the great high priest. Who's heard that before? I talked about it two weeks ago. I hope you've heard it before. Um, So between the building of the temple um, and, and exile, there was this role of the great high priest. And the role of the great high priest was to make atonement for the nation of Israel through sacrifices. So on Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies and offer sacrifices to Yahweh. And interesting things around this is that the high priest would wear around his neck a thing called an ephod, and the ephod had the names of the twelve tribes of Israel um, uh, drawn into it and so the idea was that the high priest did not belong to himself the high priest belonged to the nation in this His sins and the sins of the nation were one. When he entered the Holy of Holies and made sacrifice, it was like the entire nation of Israel was entering the Holy of Holies with him. So, as our high priest, Jesus, as the ultimate high priest, makes a sacrifice for atonement with the Father. And in the same way that the high priest belonged to the people, our lives and his lives became one, became hidden in his. We are also on the cross with Christ being crucified. Our sin becomes his sin, his pure and sinless life becomes ours. And I can remember one of the hardest things I found about the decision to be ordained is it felt for me like stepping into this big hierarchical position of coming over a whole lot of people. And my examining chaplain said to me, no, it's actually, it's a coming under to serve. The actual the idea, and we won't wear robes here much, but the idea of the white robes that a priest wears is often there will be a white wall behind them. And the idea is that the priest disappears and all you see is the elements. All you see is the body and the blood. So what is the role of a priest in Eucharist? Well, the priest is just one who we have set apart to represent us all at the table. So when you guys, um, when I read out the, or Rose read out the thing last year, that said, are you happy for Scotty to be ordained? And nobody objected. (laughs) Not not out loud. You said you were okay with me standing at this table as a representative of all of us standing at this table. So the, the priest, and we know this about me, guys, they are not more holy. They are not closer to God. They are simply set apart for a task as the high priest was in the times before Christ. And it is the same thing where we see an anointing for worship on Lauren that when Lauren gets up in worship, leads something, something goes on. God has marked her, has set her apart for that task, that we set apart people who will stand, not just them, but stand for all of us. And, and one of the cool things some of you will know when I was ordained is, um, and I didn't know about the ephod at the time, but uh, you have this thing called a stole that you wear around your neck. And I invited people from different communities and people who had been at this church to all give me a piece of fabric, um, that uh, represented them, which I could wear at my ordination. And so in a sense, this kind of, for me, has become a bit like an ephod, um, that it is the names of all of us that I wear around my neck, and that it is not me standing here before God, it is me representing you all standing before God, um, which some people may, yeah, may find interesting. Um, and so the Eucharist is, is priestly, why don't you turn to the person next to you one last time, and uh, grab an idea from that that interests you? All right, team. We are so almost there. Any final thoughts, um, particularly around that thing of, of uterus as a priestly sex? Yeah, it is is another challenge. If you didn't hear GC, it is another challenge to our individualism and our millennial hate of anything hierarchical, which I hate too. Um, He says wearing the stole. No, I don't mind hierarchy when I'm in charge. Um, 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 Anyone else? Anyone else? One more? Yeah.
1: Cool.
0: yeah, I probably won't talk about the Passover tonight, um, just because there are so many angles on the Eucharist that I could have gone for about six or seven hours if we wanted to, um, but, um, but we, could, we can definitely chat about that another time. Um, there is so much, yeah, there are another five pages. Um, cool Okay, well what I think um, Are just uh, a couple of last things One of the things that um, I haven't really talked about tonight Is words, we say a lot of words In Eucharist um, There is a read booklet under your seat um, Which we have worked through with Friends of ours at Nazi hour in different places To work out what it would look like It's like Oprah, hey eh? You get a car um, Anyway um, so there is this book under your seat, and, um, and why I haven't talked about the words, if you can lift your head away from your books for a moment and look at me again, um, why I haven't talked about the words is that the function of words, the function of liturgy is liturgy literally means the work of the people. So it means the actions that we do together, and sadly sometimes what we do when we get into empty ritual is we think it is about the right words. But the purpose of the words is not to prescribe our time together. It is to describe the actions we are taking. The purpose of these words is to retell the story of Jesus and describe the actions we are doing together. Um, And so there are a number of different different uh, liturgical Eucharists you can look at in uh, the New Zealand prayer book. But the, the kind of thing we've pulled together here is something we feel like really represents our community. And this is going to be a journey together, you know, that it's not like um, we're, not, uh, we're not pinned forever to these particular words. But we continue the journey, and the great thing about the Anglican Church is it's a broad church, and it gives us room. So what is going to happen is Lauren is going to lead us in a second, and the way that tonight is going to roll is she's going to lead, and eventually she's going to play um, the fourth song, I think, one of our, our beautiful New Eucharist songs. And there's going to come to a point to that where um, Richard and Rose are going to come and set the table and we are going to remember that Trinitarian part of Eucharist that we are invited to the table that we, um, that we uh, God invites us to the table and we invite others and in other weeks to come we want any of you to come and set the table as well. Um, I'm going to come up, lead us in the liturgy that is here, the parts in bold we say together um, and we're going to take We're going to bless, we're going to break, and we're going to give the bread. Um, And one of the final things, which is just a a culture thing, I I haven't been, but I keep hearing one of the most exciting places to do Eucharist in Wellington is St. Tom's in Newtown. Um, Yeah? Yeah. Would you agree? (laughs) Tell us what St. Tom's in Newtown is like.
1: A lot of shouting and happy vibes.
0: Yeah. Cool. Cool. A lot of shouting and happy vibes. Now, and and singing and dancing. And so, man, Jeff Johnson, I'm giving you license here, all right? (laughs) Shouting and dancing. Um, When we say these words, like, these are powerful words that we are saying, powerful things that we are looking at. We're saying God is with us. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. And so, man, this is exciting stuff we are declaring to one another. Um, And so it is, yeah (laughs) And so it is not a case of us coming together You'll notice nowhere in here Have I talked about us coming grovelling on our knees In penitence Because I don't think that's what we're here to do in the Eucharist We're here to gather the family meal As the people of God And that's an exciting thing Um, And yes Jess, thank you Amen, Ah. I hear that sister (laughs) Um, And so um, And so what we'll do is is Roll through that um, But Maybe what we'll do for just one minute Is why don't you close your eyes I have said a lot And then (laughs) Nathan says yep Yep. Um, um, So um, Ah, what we'll do is just sit in silence And what I want you to do is There may be one of those five angles That you want to approach the Eucharist from today So it was the sensory The trinitarian The incarnational The ecclesial And the priestly And I want you to consider one of those and then what we will do is we're going to stand and we're going to worship God passionately together um, and then eventually take this meal together. So let's be still a moment. Your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And so we proclaim your glory, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, the love at our beginning and without end, in our midst and with us. God is with us. Here we find new life. Let us give thanks for the coming of God's reign of justice and love. Jesus Christ is good news for the poor, release for the captives, recovery of sight for the blind, and liberty for those who are oppressed we call to mind our sins God forgives and heals us we need your healing, merciful God. Give us true repentance. Some sins are plain to us, some escape us, some we cannot face. Forgive us, set us free to hear your word in us, set us free to serve you. God forgives you, forgive others, forgive yourself. Through Christ, God has put away your sin. Approach your God in peace. On the night before he died, your son Jesus Christ took bread. When he had given you thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he took the cup. When he had given you thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it to remember me. Let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Empower our celebration with your Holy Spirit. Feed us with your life. Fire us with your love. Confront us with your justice and make us one in the body of Christ with all who share your gifts of love blessed Christ be god forever ito mato mato e mātou I te rangi, kia zafu to kia taimai to ranga kia retsanga kia te tau e pai ai kia ranga ki te whenua, kia ano ki totirangi mai kia mato ana ketsaro mato mo rā, muro o mato hara Memato Hoki Emurune, Iwaki Honga e ehara Anakia Mato, O a e Hoki Mato Ikawiya e Ka Fakuaya, Ingara e Faku orangia Mato etikino, No Hoki Teranga Tiratanga Tikaha, te Meti Karoria, Ake Ake Ake. Amen. Amen. Send your Holy Spirit that these gifts of bread and wine which we receive may be to us the body and blood of Christ, and that we, filled with the Spirit's grace and power, may be renewed for the service of your kingdom. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. We who are many are one, for we all share the one bread. Here is Christ coming to us in bread and wine, the gifts of God for the people of God. can receive communion at Either side...